Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. America. Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rocket America, episode number 52 and week two under our new name. So, based on that intro you just heard, what have you stumbled into? Well, a podcast quite unlike any other. Now, I'm your host, Soccer Noob, and joining me as always will be my nine-year-old daughter, co-host and true star of the show, Person Noob. Hello! And just as we did in our first year, we will be mini-previewing the 10 most intriguing matches from around the world, as we define them here at Team Noob. Top two league matches from any top-flight domestic league on the planet. FA Cup matches, club and international team matches. If it's important, or if it's even just important where it's being played, we're going to be looking at it. And now, per our new name, we lean just a little bit more USA and North America and then our region of the world, the CONCACAF region, Latin America and the Caribbean, if you will. Or as I like to think of it, American soccer, more soccer than Americans care about, and then expanding our view to our whole world. Plus, as uh, often happens, we will get a medicinally adult division from Noobstradamus, our in-house prognosticator, before all is said and done. Plus, we'll learn a little world cuisine and a ton about the places that the matches are being played as we look at the world through the lens of soccer. Friday through Thursday, October 8th through 14th, that's our coverage for this episode. So let's dive right in with... March number one! And given that... We now carry the new moniker of Rock in America. Let's start out with a game stateside. We don't have any Friday matches that happen to make our cut for the tracking of 10 that we will do and preview. So Saturday, match number one is from USL League One. This is their third season in existence. For those who are newer fans, I'll give you a picture sort of the American soccer pyramid because this is a Division Three league. MLS is on top as the best league, as you might imagine. And then you have the USL Championship League. They are considered Division Two. And then you have two Division Three leagues, which is this one, USL League One, and another fairly new one called NISA, acronym NISA. We'll talk about them a little bit more later. This league is about 80% of the way through the regular season. The top six teams are going to make the playoffs. The top two will get to advance straight through to the semifinals. And as a quick side note, I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to this league, not only because we're going to be ever so slightly more American match and uh, CONCACAF regionally match focused on this show going forward. We're still going to be covering matches from all over the world, of course, but the town that's just a hop, skip and a jump away from me, it got announced in 2023, is going to get one of the expansion teams for this league in 2023. And there are more coming in next year as well. But in 2023, Spokane, Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana are all going to get new teams. So congratulations to all of them. Now let's talk about this matchup since it's late in the season in particular. Number one, Union Omaha taking on number three, Greenville Triumph. 
Here is how the table stood at the time I scouted the games. As is the case with all the matches I'll cover, I always throw in that caveat, things may have changed between the time I scouted it and the time you're hearing it. In any case, Omaha, first place, 41 in the table. Chattanooga Red Wolves, number two, just a point behind at 40. And then Greenville at 35. Greenville is probably not going to be able to catch Omaha this late in the season because Omaha have two matches in hand against both of these teams. They've played two fewer matches, but who knows? Maybe they can still catch the Red Wolves for second place and get to go straight through to the semifinals. This is a critical match for them. They've got to get a result of some kind, at least one point out of this. Uh, since the league is so new, there's not much of a series. Uh, Omaha has a 1-1-0 record against Greenville. Uh, Greenville did earn a 1-1 draw this year in South Carolina when they played the first time. First, let's talk about Omaha. They are known as the Owls. The team is named after the Union Pacific Railroad that runs through the area, and then the Great Horned Owl, a species that is native to that particular region of the country. club was founded in 2019. Last year, they finished in second place in the regular season and officially were reward, uh, awarded second place in the uh, playoffs, or basically what this amounts to is this. These two teams were supposed to be in the title game, but the game got canceled because a bunch of Omaha players all got COVID at the same time or diagnosed with it in any case. Rather than rescheduling the game, they decided to award Greenville the title based on points per game. This year, they are tied for number four on offense. They have the number one defense by lots, uh, lots and lots, actually. They only uh, allow not even one goal per match. They've got the number one goal differential in the league going, and that offense isn't much of a bugaboo either. Tied for number four sounds pretty average, but there's only a difference of like eight goals scored between the first and last place team in this league. It's incredibly tight statistically. Looking at some possible key players tied for number four in league scoring is Greg Hurst. He is from Scotland, striker, 24 years old, spent the last two years with Chattanooga. Tied for number three in league assists is Devin Boyce. He is a homegrown USA guy, midfielder, 25 years old. This is just his first year out of college, though he has played some high-end organized ball before. I don't know if the teams he played for in League Two, which is a USL Division Four league, are considered semi-professional or amateur. I don't know if the players get stipends, but in any case, he played for a couple of those in the summers, did his college ball in St. Louis and New Mexico. Uh, second best statistically in goalkeeping in the lead is Ghanaian Rashid Nuhu, 25 years old, played his college ball here in the U.S. at Fordham University. Uh, best team he's played for was a uh, New York Red Bulls reserve side. Uh, I don't know how many appearances he made for them, but he was at the very least on their roster and doing some playing for them in 2019. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-1-1 and in their last three. Now, the Greenville Triumph, they were just founded three years ago. Uh, last year, they were awarded the title, as I mentioned. This year, tied for number four on offense, just tied for number six on defense. That is a bit of a bugaboo. Good for number four overall when you average them out for goal differential. Second best league-leading scorers is there's boast of Mario's, yes, with an S on the end for his first name, Lomas. He is from the Netherlands, forward, 26 years old. And then they've got an above-average goalkeeper to keep an eye on as well, Dallas uh, J. It's got an E on the end, but I think it's just going to be pronounced J. He's U.S.-born, but he represents internationally for Guam, although I don't know how many caps, if any, he's actually gotten to earn. 
Now, interestingly, I usually don't talk about the coaches. I like to keep things <clears throat> just a little bit more player-focused, excuse me, but I wanted to make special mention of their uh, coach, John Harks. Longtime footy fans here in the U.S. will recognize his name. He was a U.S. men's national team star. In fact, at one point in his heyday, he was named, quote, captain for life, end quote, uh, by the team's coach at the time. And yet then a year or two later, he got left off the World Cup roster entirely. Why? Because, ooh, scandalous, he slept with Eric Winalda's wife. Again, longtime soccer footy fans will recognize Eric Winalda's name, another all-time great in U.S. lore. And uh, this isn't just hearsay. This was actually confirmed uh, by the uh, guilty player himself, if you will. So, mm, nice. And in any case, the team's form is 1-2-0 and in their last three, and they are unbeaten over their last five matches. Match number B. Thank you for reminding us always, daughter dearest, as you do every single week, that yes, number ich, two is bathroom talk. It's uncouth and inappropriate for polite society. New Bites, please employ the phrase number B as a replacement in your daily lives. Join our quiet revolution. Now, on to the second match, and we're staying stateside and in and now we're going to the other Division Three league here in the States, the NISA, N-I-S-A. Uh, they have a relationship with a number of different regional leagues, but when people talk about uh, NISA, you have to be careful to the, whether you're talking about their top national league or the organization. Obviously, we will be talking about the top national league that they have. Uh, they're intending to start a full season, just like a lot of other professional and semi-professional leagues. But right now, uh, they are an amateur league and they are playing uh, mainly spring and fall half seasons. And I believe that they also want to institute uh, promotion and relegation within their leagues, which would be the first time we've had that here in the U.S. Interestingly, they also had an alliance with uh, a or the second tier uh, women's professional or semi-professional league, the UWS, but that fell apart this year for some reason. In any case, they are halfway through the fall season. Uh, it's more of a traditional league format. The spring season was actually something they called the Independent Cup, which was just uh, groups of, I believe, uh, three, four, maybe even five teams scattered all around the country. They only played each other in a single round robin and called it done. By the way, there are no playoffs, at least this year, for this particular league. So the regular season is all you're going to get, and that's why this is so critical, even though they're only halfway through the season. Number four, Stumptown AC, taking on number B, LA Force. Now, here's how the table looks. Detroit, to be perfectly honest, they're probably going to win the league. They've got 26 points. LA Force, 17. Cal United have 16, along with Stumptown. They have 16 as well. They're behind Cal United on goal differential, which is why they are down in fourth. Now, uh, LA Force and Cal United both have a match in hand against uh, the teams around them. They're in the table. So, this is a critical match, and it's going to be particularly critical for LA Force. Yes, they're playing one of the top teams. There's a lot of season to go, but they are heading into a brutal part of their schedule where they are playing all three of the top teams right in a row. They've got to get a result out of this. If they don't, I think that their title hopes are really going to be diminished, and Detroit will be able to run away with things. Uh, they did play once earlier this season uh, at LA, and the Force got a draw in that match 2-2. Two to two. As far as the overall series, it's a new league. They've only played a couple of times. The Force have a 1-1-0 record. Let's talk about Stumptown, though, first. Uh, Stumptown, I've heard, can 
really can relate to a number of different cities around the country based on uh, why towns are usually named that. It just has to do with the cutting down of trees and the non-pulling of stumps. Such is the case in the Charlotte area, the suburb of Matthews in North, North Carolina. The club was founded just three years ago. Uh, last year, they finished in third place. That was in the spring. They did not play in the uh, fall iteration. They won their group of four this year in the Independent Cup, and there were no playoffs of any kind with that. This year, they are just number eight on offense, uh, scoring less than one goal per match, but they've got one of the top three defenses. They also allow fewer than one goal per match. That's good overall for the number six goal differential. I think they're more likely to dip, to be perfectly honest, to be climbing up. Nevertheless, having something to say about it will be, amongst others, on the assist leaderboard, uh, Reese Williams. He is a defender and sometimes winger, 26 years old for the team from here in the U.S. Biggest club he's played for in his career was Real Monarchs, which is the Division II USL Championship team that is affiliated with uh, MLS's Real Salt Lake. Probably their best all-around player, though, is Colin Striplings, a central midfielder, 26 years old. He's played a bit at this level before Tucson and then uh, Greenville over in the other league, and he also played his college ball at Columbia, so certainly nobody's fool. As far as the team's current form, uh, they got a draw last week against the uh, Los Angeles, as we discussed, and that ended a three-match winning streak for them. The D had been very good for them right up until that point, and they're going to need to find it again for that run of the schedule that we're talking about they're about to run up against. Now, the force. They've only got the sixth-best offense in the league, second-best defense, though, and the second-best overall goal differential. So I think they're going to remain the top contender uh, along with Detroit. On the scoring leaderboard for this team, Christian Chaney. He's actually tied with one of his teammates, but I uh, just sort of arbitrarily picked one to talk about. 27-year-old forward. He's actually played abroad, which is, I suspect, at least a little bit unusual for players at this level. He played for uh, De Los Altos in Mexico, which is in their third division. Uh, more recently, he played for a club called Mosta in the Premier League and then went to Armenia, of all places, in between, where he only made one appearance, but he was on the roster for a club that we've talked about before on this show called Ararat Yerevan, a very good one over there, in fact. And as far as the team's current form, up until that draw, they had been unbeaten in their last eight. Match number three. Match number three, we are not going to be stateside for the first time this show, but we're just going over the border to the south is all to the Liga MX Femenil, where they are in their Apertura stage in the top flight women's league there. A quick reminder for newer fans and listeners that in Mexico and in the vast majority of Latin American countries, they divide their soccer year into two stages, which, which are effectively separate seasons, the Apertura and Clausura opening stage, closing stage. And there's really no connection between the two. They're about two-thirds of the way through the regular season. Uh, they're playing a single-round robin, all 18 teams, and the top eight teams will go to the playoffs. And your matchup. This is going to be the best one of the whole darn stage or year. Uh, I don't know if they officially call it a Monterey Derby, but they should because both teams are fun there. It's number one, Tigres, UANL, taking on number B, Monterey. Here's how the table looks. Tigres currently lead by four. Monterey, in turn, lead number three. Chivas Guadalajara also by four points. Both of these teams are undefeated as well, by the way. Let's talk about Tigres first, the real power in this league. They were founded five years ago, which is very, very young most of the time in perspective. But given that this league is only four years old, that's probably given them a head start on most or all of the clubs that play in this league. 
Oh, and it shows. They are 11-0-0 with a 41-3 and goal differential. In fact, even with a third of the stage left to play, they have already mathematically qualified for the playoffs. Only close match that they've had this year so far was a road win at Carataro. Uh, they won that one 1-2. One and uh, Carataro is only like number 11 in the league, so that's a little surprising. In any case, they are the defending champions, and they have four stage titles to their credit domestically. They also won the 2017-18 and the 18-19 playoffs. Number one league scorer is Caddy Martinez, forward, 23 years old, born right there in Monterey. She's got 13 national team caps to her name since 2019, and she has scored a whopping 12 goals on the season already. And now your challengers, Monterey. I don't think they have much of a shot on the road, to be perfectly honest. But if anybody besides Carataro can do it, it would be them probably. Number three offense, second best defense, 25-5 and five goal differential. Their only non-wins on the season uh, were uh, they got a 2-2 draw two matches ago against current number four, Santos Laguna. And then they opened the season with a draw at, there they are again, number 11, Carataro. Tied for number four in league scoring is uh, Desiree, or uh, she might go by Monica. I'm not really sure. I saw different things, different sources. Last name, uh, Monsivias. Uh, she's a forward, 33 years old. She came over here in 2017. Uh, she is Mexican, but previously she had spent her entire professional career over the club called BLLK Kazagurt in Kazakhstan. Now you might not think football or particularly women's football when it comes to Kazakhstan, who knows, maybe you only think of Borat. In fact, I don't know that might've been used to case used to be the case with me. Very nice. Ugh, poor impersonation. In any case, uh, BLOK Kazagur is one of the, if not very, very best women's teams in the entire world. They are not really far off. They are easily one of the best clubs in Europe. Uh, this gal, she's got five national team caps to her credit. Uh, mostly she earned those in the 2016 Olympic qualifiers. Match number four. Match number four is also a Saturday match, and we're going to head over to Europe. Sort of. That'll become clearer momentarily. The event is the UEFA Nations League. Now, this is a moderately new international club tournament over in Europe. It's largely been instituted to replace the need for teams simply playing friendlies. Uh, UEFA wants the matches to be more competitive, probably so they can get more of a TV audience and make more money off of them. In any case, one of the things this tournament is good for is that there are stakes for some of the teams. Teams can qualify for the European Championships via this event. But truth be told, the teams that are amongst the last four for this event that are still alive, they're all going to qualify through other more traditional animal, uh, avenues. So the European Championship berths from this event will actually drop much further down uh, the latter of groups. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but there will be some real fringe teams that are sort of averaging Europe that will get to qualify, I think four of them, through this event. So this means that I'm not sure how important the trophy is going to be because this is going to be the final coming up this week to the four teams that are still alive. The semifinal is going to be between Italy and Spain, by the way, and the other semifinal between Belgium and France at time of recording didn't know who was going to be in the final. Nevertheless, we don't need to know because we have someone who will be able to tell us or at least to score. So because we're not sure these teams are going to give a darn, let's just not worry about an actual preview and instead just try to make some money off it. To that end, we touch base with our podcast prognosticator extraordinaire, 3,500-year-old 
Noobstradamus, take it away, O mighty soothsayer. Now that it's fall, I like to grind up the expired prescription pills you send me and sprinkle them into the soda streamer tab. And since it's autumn, I've sprinkled in some pumpkin flavor. Fall is a joyous time here on the Thracian plains of Greece. Oof, a pumpkin spice may have been an error in judgment. Didn't see that coming. And I see everything coming. The medicinals are taking effect. And I travel through space and time. Whee! I am wandering a hotel ball conference room. Everyone is very well dressed. A more than classy wedding reception. Which feels odd since it's clear a concert is about to begin. Yes, there's four women all dressed like Madonna from various tours. It's blonde ambition. Oof. Second tier at best. Prima Donna's the best one. Still, they close a three-song set well, and I dance to get into the groove for some small children gathered. Neil Tennant begins taking the stage. What? No Chris Lowe? What sort of madness is this? You can't have Pet Shop Boy for a headliner. It's boys! Appropriately, he opens with, What have I done to deserve this? One of the Madonna quadruplets rushes over to me. She's written an extensive message on a flyer of some kind. I gather she enjoyed my dancing, and has decided I will be her conquest for the night, giving me a hotel room number. After she scurries off, another of the band comes over to warn me off that she is more than a little liberal with her loving after every show. I remain torn regarding my own intentions, as the vision fades. Noob, I divine from the universal infinite that since we only saw one of two pet shop boys, the score will be one to two. I have seen. I have spoken. And now that we know, as Mr. Tennant sang in Opportunities, let's make lots of money. Noobstradamus, we appreciate your efforts with that drug-addled vision, quote-unquote. I'm contractually bound to say that we appreciate you. I am not contractually bound to not say that I have some points of contention here, though. You're rarely right, but we know that coming in. And you think that whoever the visitor for this game is going to be is going to win one to two. All right, got it. We'll put our cash on the barrelhead again. Point number B. Uh, usually these visions give us some sort of insight into the folklore, uh, religion, art, architecture, music, pop culture, something to do with the place the match is being played. That's kind of like how we do this, learning about the world, learning about soccer, you know, education and fun. We're missing that here, and I don't know why. Or rather, I do know why. Because point three, that was the dream I told you I had last night, not a vision. I described that to you an hour ago off the air. It had nothing to do with anything. And quite frankly, I don't trust it. 
Do you have any idea how expensive it is to mail prescription drugs in soda streamer knockoff cola internationally? <sighs> but thank you for your time and efforts as always. No, I don't mean it, but I don't want to get turned into a newt. Match number five. And in case I misspoke, by the way, that match number four was a Sunday match, not a Saturday match. <sighs> Deep breathing. Now that I've got the Noobstradamus stuff out of my system. That was kind of weird. I admit it, but so I, I like that fun. Uh, we can move on to Sunday's match. Number five world cup qualifying in our very own region. CONCACAF where there are eight teams still remaining here in the third and final round of qualification. They are playing a double round Robin at the time I scouted it. All the teams are three matches in. I know that they're going to be four matches in by the time that you get to hear this, but that's simply not the case when I first scouted it. So there you go. In any case, the format, the top three teams are going to get to go to the world cup. The fourth place team will get to play an intercontinental qualifying match against some other confederations also ran for a chance at one of the final two slots in the world cup. And if you want to watch this, and why wouldn't you? Six o'clock Eastern time, Paramount Plus is when and how. Number four, Panama, taking on number three in the table, USA men's national team. Let's rock America, sort of. First, the overall picture. Uh, Mexico are ahead by two points on everybody in the table. USA, they are two points back, along with number B, Canada, and uh, number four, Panama, as we mentioned. They're behind on goals scored for a tiebreaker, not goal differential. Everything's really close, but it's early. And the match is going to be played in Panama City at the Estadio Romel Fernandez. Now, even though we are rocking America, interestingly, I don't like to talk about the U.S. men's national team. Well, I do, but in a mini preview, I can't give you the deep preview information that you're going to get uh, for more in-depth dives from lots of other far more experienced podcast hosts. So I like to do a little bit of what they don't, and that is talk about the USA's opponents. We rock it that way. Panama, they are known as the Canal Men for obvious reasons, also the Red Tide. Uh, they are the number eight ranked team in CONCACAF. That puts them right between El Salvador and uh, Curacao. And they are ranked number 78 in the world by FIFA, and they are the lowest ranked team remaining. 2018, they qualified for their first ever World Cup. Congratulations. Trying to do it again to see if they can do better than the first time. Because the first time they didn't get any wins or draws, they did manage to score a goal in a 6-1 loss against England. But hey, still, congratulations. When it's your first World Cup, it's just awesome to get there as a small country. They've had a little bit more luck inter, uh, internationally in our region. The Gold Cup, which is our confederation's national team overall championship, they were the runners-up in 2005 and 2013, both times losing in the final to the U.S. In the first round of this qualifying event, they went 4-0-0 with a 19-1 goal differential against four Caribbean teams, including uh, the Dominican Republic, which has really been on the upswing, in my opinion, the last couple, three years. So good on them for just being so dominant in the first round. The second round, all they had to do uh, was face off against one team, which happened to be Curacao, and get the better of them in a two-legged tie, which they did 2-1 to at home and then a nil-nil draw at Curacao. I know that on Thursday they are going to be playing at El, uh, at El Salvador, so that's going to be on the 7th. But as far as their results so far, they've earned a nil-nil draw versus Costa Rica. Uh, they lost nil-three. No, they won nil-three at Jamaica, rather, and then they earned a 1-1 draw versus Mexico. So a pretty decent start for them. 
red hot for them has been Ronaldo Blackburn, guy to look for. He is a striker, 31 years old, prime of his career, plays for a club called the strongest. We've talked about them on this show before. They're from Bolivia and easily one of the best two clubs there, along with another one with a great name called Always Ready. In any case, uh, Blackburn has 43 caps since 2010 for his national team. Their best all-around player, though, um, if you've got the eye for watching more on defense, they've got a center back named Andres Andrade, who plays for a German Bundesliga club, top flight called Arminia Bielefeld. Not one of the better clubs from over there, so you may not be as familiar. I don't know that he starts for them necessarily even, because uh, he's actually there on loan from a pretty decent club in Austria called LASK. But he might be their best all-around player. And we have the USA connection, Annabelle Godoy. He plays for Nashville. He's a defensive midfielder for them, 31 years old. He's earned over 100 national team caps for them since 2010. As far as the team's current form, in their last four, they are 2-2. Two and two. And what impresses me is that they're getting results, which means wins or draws, getting three or one point for our newer fans there, in both high and low-scoring matches. So who knows, even on the road, or especially at home, I should say, they could be the type of team that earns at least a draw against the U.S. Person noobs, kitten sounder can only mean one thing, and that is that it is time for us to take a break from previewing the upcoming week's matches and take a look back and track back to last episode's matches. Let's do a recap. Match number one last week was a Saturday match from Major League Soccer's Eastern Conference. Number eight, Montreal, took on number six, Atlanta United, and it was Montreal coming out on top 2-1. Possible man of the match candidate we said to look for, Romel Kyoto had a brace. That moves Montreal all the way up to fifth place in Atlanta slides down to eighth. Match number B from the USL Championship's Western Mountain Division. Uh, number B, Colorado Springs took on number one El Paso, and the result was a 1-1 draw. Colorado Springs got the equalizing own goal off El Paso in the 91st minute. High drama. No change for these two teams in the table positions. Match number three was from Sweden's Damosvenskan Liga. That's the top flight on the women's side, where we had number B, Haken taking on number one, Rusengord, and the result was a 2-0 win for Haken. A guy we said a look out for, Stina Blackstenius had a goal. No change in the table positions for these two. Match number four was to be from the NWSL, but all the matches got postponed. Match number five was from Bhutan's Premier League, where number one, Paro, took on number B, Team Poo City. The result was a 1-1 draw, and that was enough for Paro to hold on for the league title. That was their last match of the season. Match number six from England's FA Cup, third qualifying round. We had Jersey Bulls taking on Chertsey Town, and it was Chertsey Town coming out on top, nil one. Sunday, match number seven, Major League Soccer from the Western Conference. Number six, LA Galaxy took on number nine, LAFC in El Trafico, or as we call it here for a different old-timey Los Angeles nickname, the Double Dubuque Derby. The result was a 1-1 draw, no change for these teams in table position. They remain in sixth and ninth. Match number eight from England's Premier League. Number one, Liverpool took on number B, Manchester City. The result was a 2-2 draw. That actually allowed Chelsea to move up to number one. Uh, Liverpool and Manchester City uh, moved to number B and number three, respectively. Match number nine. 
was from the Costa Rican Primera División. They're in their Apertura stage, and it was number one Herediano playing host to number B, Saprisa, and the result was a 2-1 win in favor of the home team, Herediano. What made that interesting was that Herediano lost a man to two straight yellows very late in the first half, but they still managed to hold on. They had been ahead 2-0, but only gave up the one goal. That dropped Saprisa down to number three. Thursday was match number 10 from CONCACAF's World Cup qualifying third and final stage. Number three, United States took on number eight, Jamaica, and the result was a U.S. A 2-0 win, 18-year-old, or maybe he's 19 now. In any case, Ricardo Pepe had a brace of goals, and that moves USA to number one in the World Cup qualification table. And then our bonus matches, with explanations coming later. Route of the week was a Sunday match from Slovakia Super League. Number one, Slovan Bratislava took on number 12 in last place, FK Poroni, and it was a route indeed. Uh, Slovan won 5-1. A couple guys we said to look for had goals, Ezekiel Henty and Jaromir Zmirgo. Smear Hall had goals from the most meaningless match of the world on Wednesday from USL's League One number 10 Richmond kickers played host to number 9 forward Madison. Richmond came out on top 1-0. Their Argentinian star Emilio Terzaghi had a goal. That moved Richmond all the way up to number 5. And then finally the match of Disappointed was a Saturday match from the Faroe Islands. Number 10 TBT took on number 9 Fugla Fyodor, who came out on top 0-1, and so there was no change in table positions. That completes your recap from last week's matches. Now let's dive back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. This is another Sunday match, and you know, sometimes old noobs' legs get weary. Let's stay right here in Panama for the next one. This time it's going to be a match out of the Panamanian League, or they what they call the LPF by acronym, and they are in their Clausura, or closing stage. Uh, this is most likely considered the number five rated league in CONCACAF. I don't think the Confederation actually ranks the leagues uh, themselves. So the site that I use is a really good one called Kick Algorithms that I think has a lot of credibility. In any case... Three clubs from this league are going to get to go to the CONCACAF League, which is a feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League, our region's overall club championship. This league is split into two conferences this year, East and West. The top three from each of the conferences are going to get to go to the league playoffs. The winners will advance straight through to the semifinal, and they're a little over halfway through. And your matchup, it is a dandy. Number one in the West, Independiente, versus number one in the East, Toro, the real power of the league, to be perfectly honest. But we'll talk about the home team first out of the West. They are known as the Little Bees, which I have to think is uh, based on their predominantly yellow and then some black in the club colors and crust. Also known as the Vikings. Wish I'd taken a little bit more time to understand where that one come from. Maybe next time. They play from a town called De La Chorera, which is in the south central part of the country. Probably has a little under 200,000 people there. The club was founded in the 1980s. They were only promoted to the top flight in 1999. I don't believe they've ever been back down. They currently in their conference lead Herrera by three. They've won two league titles before. The most recent one was the 2019 Clausura stage. And then they made the quarterfinals in the preceding CONCACAF League. Good on them. This year, the 2020-21 season, the Apertura stage, they finished in second place in the West. 
this year. Number one on offense overall. Uh, they've got the fourth best defense overall, but that is the best in their Western Conference there. And they've got the best overall goal differential in the West. Players to look for, tied for number three in overall league scoring is Uziel Maltez, a name you want to remember because you wonder when he might get to move up to Mexico or MLS or who knows, maybe Europe. He's just 18 years old. This is his first pro season. He's already doing very well. He is tied with a fellow teammate, by the way, named Alexis Venancio, an attacker in that particular statistical category. As far as the team's current form, they are just 0-3-1 across all competitions of late, and they haven't scored a goal in any of them, so they've really been in a bit of a dip lately. I have a feeling Toro will be able to take advantage. The Bulls, Los Toros, uh, they were also founded in the 1980s. They play in Panama City in uh, a place called the Pedregal District. I cannot recall if it's in the eastern part of the city proper or if it's a district that is in the eastern part of the greater metro. But anyway, Pedregal is the name. Uh, they have the very boring black and white colors of Juve of Italy, Serie A. The guy who founded it was a big fan of theirs. I'm not a big fan of the crest, neither here nor there, perhaps. They are tied in their conference with another very good club historically, Alianza on points. They lead them by two on goal differential right now. This team has made six CONCACAF Champions League appearances in the past, 2018 quarterfinals. I believe that was their most recent one, and it was their best finish. They have 15 lean titles to their credit. Most recent one was the 2017 Clausura stage. That is the most in the nation's history. In the Apertura stage here in the 2021 season, uh, they only finished number four, so they're doing much better now, thank you. Uh, number four in the East, I should uh, note once again. Statistically this year, or this stage, number three on offense, but that's the best one in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they've got the second best defense in the whole league and the number one goal differential. This is your team to beat. Number one in scoring is uh, Ismael Diaz, attacker 24 years old. European footy fans, outside change you might know him, but you've got to be somebody who pays really big attention to Portugal, because from 2015 to 17, he played with one of the big three over there, Porto, or but not with the senior team, with their B team. As far as Toro's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three and unbeaten in their last five. They've been very solid on defense, but that said, the offense has been a little bit iffy. I think Toro can at least get a low-scoring draw, but probably a win for this one on Sunday. Match number seven. This is another Sunday match, and this time... We're going to earn some frequent flyer miles. We're headed out to Africa for more World Cup qualification events. Uh, their format's really simple. Ten groups of four, double round robin. Winners get to go to the World Cup. The second place finishers will move on to the third qualification round where they will just each buddy up with somebody else. Well, not buddy up because they're going to try to beat them and then play for those five more remaining spots from Africa. Matchup I've chosen for us to look at is number B in the table, Benin versus number one, uh, Tanzania. Now, it's very, very early. Both teams are only 1-1-0 at the time that I scouted this. I know that they will have played one more match each uh, by the end of Thursday, so things will have changed by the time you are hearing this. They are in Group J. By the way, if you want to catch this, it's at 9 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Look for the Group J match, if that's how they've got it categorized. They're in there with number 21, uh, Madagascar, and uh, the group that should be predicted to win it, the team, rather, uh, DR Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo. They're 10th seeded. So let's take a look at our combatants. Benin, one of my favorites, because they are known as the Squirrels, YB Lions, like every other team in the world. 
when you can be the squirrels. I love it. They are the 18th seeded remaining team of the 40 still alive, so just a little bit above average. They are ranked number 82 in the world by FIFA. Give you some geographical perspective that puts them right between Syria and perhaps the more familiar for Western listeners, uh, Bolivian uh, teams. They have never qualified for the World Cup. In all their attempts, they have a 9-7-23 record in the qualification rounds. However, they have qualified for four different AFCONs, and that is the African National Championships. Last time they made it, most recently 2019, they have never finished in the top two of a group stage. But that's not to say they haven't advanced. In 2019, they earned draws in every single one of their matches, finished in third place, and were amongst the best third place finishers and got to advance. And they took advantage because they beat Morocco in the quarterfinals, made it all the way to the semis before they lost to Senegal. It was one, one heck of a run. Their best overall finish in any international event uh, was fourth place uh, 2016. That was in the WAFU. That's the West African Football Union, a regional nations cup. They have several different regions in Africa. They all do those. As far as right now, uh, how the results been coming? Well, they uh, beat Madagascar 0-1 on the road, and then they earned a 1-1 draw at home versus the Democratic Republic of Congo. Players to look for. Their best all-around one is easily Steve Mounier. He is their striker. He is the captain for Brest. That is a League One team over in France, one of the top six leagues in the world. Came up, in fact, in France through the youth system at uh, Montpellier. And uh, British footy fans will recognize him most likely from his years at Huddersfield. He was with the Giants from 2017 through 20. He has earned 33 national team caps and has nine goals with the team since 2015. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-1-1 across all competitions most recently. They lost their last two uh, AFCON qualifying matches. They've been very good on D, but a little bit lacking on offense, to be perfectly honest. And now Tanzania, your real challengers. They are known as the, uh, I'm going to pronounce it Taifa, might be Taifa, stars. Uh, the word means nation, pride, or Princeton. Princedom, and they are the lowest ranked team remaining in the event, which is one of the main reasons that I chose this one. Who doesn't love an underdog? Uh, well, not Benin, at least not this time. In any case, uh, in the uh, African uh, Confederation for Football, they are ranked number 36. Overall in the world by FIFA, number 132. Give you some perspective. Latvia over in Europe is ranked just below them, 135. They have never qualified for a World Cup proper in the qualifying rounds. They have an overall record of 7, 10, and 16. As far as the AFCON, they've had a little bit of success. Some of it was way back. They made the 1980 iteration. And then more recently, they made the 2019 version. They did not advance, but neither did they finish in last. They finished number three in the group stage. Uh, regionally, they've had even more success. 2010, they actually won uh, what's called the Sakafa Cup. And the E in there is for East. That is the part of the continent they are from. That was the third time they've won that. And then they finished in third place in 2017 in what I gather is the somewhat tougher Kosafa Cup, which is the Southern African regional event. Sometimes they invite to uh, even out the Things for uh, format purposes, they'll invite teams from outside of their subregion. In any case, for this event, they actually had to play in the first qualifying round because we're one of the uh, they're in, well in the bottom half of the rankings in Africa, and so they had to uh, face off with Burundi to advance to uh, this qualification round. They got draws in both games at one one, and then beat them nil three on penalty kicks to advance. 
Since advancing, they have a 1-1 uh, draw that they got at DR Congo. Very impressive. And then they had a home win, 3-2 against Madagascar. The team's current form, they are 3-1-0 across all competitions with a 7-3 goal differential. Admittedly, all three wins came at home. But hey, when you're Tanzania, you take what you can get, home or otherwise. Red hot for them. Player to look for, Simon. Msuva, M-S-U-V-A. He is a winger and second striker. Just five foot seven, a little guy if you're watching out for him. He plays for my favorite African Cup by far, uh, Dad Casablanca in Morocco. A favorite because it is the only club in the world I'm familiar with that is actually named after a singer. Neither here nor there. I'll get a little bit more in depth with that when I'm covering rock and league football sometime. In any case, Mr. Msuva has 61 national ca- team caps earned for himself since 2012. Match number eight. Wow, what a weekend. But there is no rest for the weary. Match number eight. We simply turn the page on the calendar. We're on to Monday where we're going to talk about the Premier League of Soccer in Quebec, the PLSQ. My French is lousy, as you will come to learn, so I'm simply going to call it that rather than trying to say the French pronunciation, all the little uh, article words in there. What you want to know is that it is a Division Three league. There are no Division Two leagues, oddly enough, in Canada, by the way. They've got their teams that participate in the MLS, and then they've got a Division One Canadian league. And then, which is the Canadian Premier League, and then they have uh, this and one soon to be two other Division Three clubs. The winner of this gets to go to the Canadian Championship the following year, which is their FA Cup. There are, uh, depending on which club you're looking at, two or three matches left in the season, and the matchup is number three. Celtics du Hout Richelieu versus number one CS Montreal Outremont. Important to know for this title race uh, that number B, Blainville, which really is the best team in the league, uh, they have two matches in hand against both of these teams. They fell behind a little bit in games played because of their own international play. And that's all I'm going to tell you about this one because match number eight is we where we traditionally do a food segment. We don't just like to learn about soccer. We like to we're like learn about the world through the lens of soccer or using soccer as an excuse. And I just like food. And the one that we're going to learn about from the area of Quebec is called, and again, French lousy, Aurel de Crease, O-R-E-I-L-L-E-S, uh, D-E, and then C-R-I-S-S-E. There you go. It actually translates to Christ's or Christ's ears. Explanation coming. Now, what is the dish itself? It originated here in Quebec and it is pork jowls that are both cured and smoked. And don't worry, if you ever want to try making this on your own, you should be able to find pork jowls that have already been cured and smoked already. And then you simply deep fry them to a golden brown. That's it. Very, very simple, and but it's so traditional. It could be eaten as a main course, in fact, or a side dish. And if you want to have it their way, you've got to dip it in maple syrup. Why? Well, because it's Canada, and because, of course, they produce more maple syrup in Quebec than anywhere else in the country or world. Plus, interesting side note, this snack, I don't know if it originated there, if it's just the most common place that it was had early on in its existence, but traditionally you will find references to this being eaten in what are called sugar shacks or sap houses, places where people are working and storing what they're making the maple syrup out of. Now, the snack. Why is it named this? Well, it's thought to be called the ears of Christ or Christ, not because it's named after our Lord and Savior, but after a guy with that first name, Christ or Christ. Uh, 
who was a lumber camp worker and something of a brawler, as folklore has it, whose ear one particular day or evening after a couple of fights had gotten really swelled up and the cook started making fun of him and started, you know, when serving this particular traditional food, started saying, who wants to try these? Who wants to order up some of Creast's ears? So there you go. It's a little weird. Also, another interesting side note about the name, uh, Chris, C-R-I-S-S-E. It's also in a different contest. It's kind of like the F word in Quebec. It's definitely cursing. And yet, in the cuisine of Quebec, it's actually fairly common to use profanity in the actual naming of a particular food. I wish I'd taken the time to Google up some other references. Maybe next time, but I hope that you'll have a chance to eat something adventurous and make some of Christ's ears for yourself as you enjoy a match from Canada. Match number nine. This is another Monday match, and we're headed off to Asia for what they are calling a qualification final for the Asian Cup, which is Asia's national championships. We've talked about the Euros, uh, Gold Cup here uh, in CONCACAF land. We've talked about the AFCON in Africa. This is Asia's version for those championships. This match we're going to be talking about is the second match of a two-legged tie. Leg one will have already been played by the time you're hearing this. When I scouted it, it had not been played yet, so I've got to live a little mystery. Now, what's cool about this whole qualification event is it hasn't just been qualifications for the Asian Cups. They double this up. It's a qualifier for the World Cup, actually, and the te- some of the teams qualify for World Cup and Asian Cup, some just for Asian Cup, and some to neither one at all. So what do we have here? Why are they calling it qualification final? Well, they had their group stage last round, and then the groups that had five teams, which wasn't all of them, the fifth-place finishers all got ranked, and the f- worst four didn't get to advance anywhere yet. They're here in this round, the qualification final. Uh, the winners of these two matches will get to head off to uh, the third round with 22 other teams. The losers will be done, except for that they will get to play in something called the Solidarity Cup, which is a secondary level uh, international uh, tournament that really doesn't have an equivalent, I don't think, in any of the other confederations. In any event, another fun side note, they're playing at normally when you have a two-legged tie, it's because you're playing a home and away match. Make sure each team uh, has the advantage once. They're going to play both legs in Buriram, Thailand. So why not just play one? Believe me, these teams are not drawing enough of a TV audience, and I think there's that much money involved. Neither here nor there, probably a reason that I don't understand. In any case, your matchup is Chinese Taipei versus Indonesia. Chinese Taipei, they are ranked number 28 in the AOC, which is right about average, number 151 in the world. And then Indonesia ranked 35th in the AFC, number 175 by FIFA in the world. We'll talk about Chinese Taipei or Taiwan, if you prefer, first. Interesting note for them, the entire team, their whole roster, I noticed, they play for the local domestic top flight leagues, except for one guy who plays in uh, Galicia uh, in a league that is in Spain's fifth tier. Highest rank that this team has ever had was number 121. That was back in 2018. Never been to the World Cup. As far as the Asian Cup, uh, they've gotten as far as the semifinal twice. About half a century ago, you got to go all the way back to the 1960s. Now, they are highly enough ranked in the AFC that they did not have to play in the first round. They got to go straight to the second round, the group stage format, where things did not go their way. They went 0-0-8, 4 
and 34 goal differential there in that group stage. And yet they weren't the worst team. They finished in second to last. Uh, Guam had the exact same goal differential, negative 30. So the next tiebreaker, not that it really mattered, uh, was goals scored, and they scored twice as many than Guam, who only scored two. And by the way, Guam and Cambodia are the other two teams facing off in another quote-unquote qualification final. Chinese Taipei, their last win was in 2019. That was a nil-two friendly at Hong Kong. The last competitive win they ever had, you got to go all the way back to 2018, which was in the third round of this event. They got a one-nil win over Singapore. The team's current form, they've only played three times this year. They lost them all, and they finished... Uh, with a goal differential of three and 11. And then meanwhile, Indonesia, uh, they are known as team Garuda, which is pretty cool. Garuda for those who aren't familiar it, And I wasn't until I looked it up. Don't want to make myself sound less noob than I am when it comes to Hindu mythology. Yeah. This uh, Garuda is the Mount of the God Vishnu. Uh, it's usually depicted as an Eagle. I think sometimes as, as some other kind of bird and occasionally as a kite, which I didn't know if that meant a kite like we think of it, or if there's a type of bird called kite. Anyway, pretty cool nickname. Indonesia's had a lot of trouble the last several years. The FA has been suspended several times over the last decade, uh, or at least a couple. I shouldn't say several necessarily. I'm kind of, I kind of just gave it a quick perusal, if you will. Uh, the FA just hasn't had control of the soccer team. There have been one or more clubs uh, that were sort of considered top flight clubs yet weren't under the control of the football association, even though they had one. They've gotten a lot of that under control, but now they're starting to deal with an anti doping issue. And so I think this match is going to get played, but I'm not quite a hundred percent sure. They didn't have really doping issues per se, but they have not implemented some of the things that the anti-doping world agency has wanted to put in place. They were one of uh, two or three countries, North Korea and somebody else who haven't been getting things implemented quickly enough, new testing procedures. They're blaming COVID for it. We'll have to see how it turns out for now. We'll assume the game's going to get played. Interesting side note, by the way, I have no idea how far back they played, but Indonesia actually has a 1-1-0 record against the U.S. I found that fun. In any case, in 1938, they became the first ever Asian team to play in a World Cup. They lost uh, 6-0 to Hungary, and they haven't made an appearance since. But hey, one time better than none. Now, they have made four Asian Cup appearances, never gotten past the group stage. Their four appearances all happened between 1996 and 2007. They went 2-2-8 in those, notching a win, in one each in each of the last two iterations. As far as uh, the group qualification stage that they just got through, they were the best of the four worst teams, if you will. They actually got a point. They finished 0-1-7. Uh, only scored five times, gave up 27 goals. That draw they got was a 2-2 uh, draw uh, at Thailand, and that was the final match of that round. As far as the team's current form, that draw is their only non-loss of 2021. They've only scored three goals and have given up 15. Good luck to both, I suppose. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, and finally, new bites, you get a break. One day of the week, Tuesday, we didn't have any matches happen to make our cut. So we turn ahead on the calendar to Wednesday for match number 10. And one more time, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. It's another match with the U.S., but once again, we're going to stick to our guns and talk specifically about the visitor because I think you're going to get less of that information from other shows, programs, podcasts that you might be tuning into. 
This match is going to be held here in the States. It will be in Columbus, where the crew play their home games. You can catch it on ESPN2, or if you like the Spanish language podcast, TUDN, at 7 o'clock Eastern Time on Wednesday. Costa Rica are known as the Ticos, which I've been hearing for a while, but I've never known why the Ticos. I looked it up and found out uh, it wasn't at all what I thought it would be. It turns out it's a linguistic-related nickname. How many clubs have that? Um, in most or maybe even all other Spanish-speaking countries, the standard diminutive suffix is ito, like a, a chico, a younger boy, uh, might be a chiquito. In Costa Rica, you do a tico suffix, so chiquitico, I believe, is how it would be said. And due to the consistent use of that, that's the nickname. Kind of interesting. Now, this team will have played Honduras and El Salvador by the time we get to this match. Just a little side note there because it's going to be such a long time waiting. It's about a week from when I first started this game. Now, Costa Rica's men's national team is rated number three in CONCACAF by FIFA and number 44 overall in the world. Uh, 2015, they were at their peak ever with FIFA. They made it all the way to number 13 in the world. Uh, Three CONCACAF championships. It hasn't always been called the Gold Cups, but basically think of it that way. They've made the Gold Cup three different times or won it rather, last time was 1989 though, Uh, the last two Gold Cups they have made the quarterfinals. Also in international play, we've got a fairly new event here in our region called the Nations League. 2019-20, they went 1-5-0 in that, good for a number four finish. They have made five World Cup appearances. I'm going to mention some highlights for a couple. In 1990, they made the knockout stage after finishing in second place in the group stage. 2014 was a real just wonderful time for them. They won their group stage, and I can't think that anybody thought they would. Some betting house I'm willing to bet lost their shirt if anybody put money on the Ticos because they had to play three former world champions, Uruguay, England and Italy were all in that group, and Costa Rica came out on top. And then they beat Greece in the quarterfinals on penalty kicks before finally succumbing, losing to the Netherlands on penalty kicks in the, in the uh, semifinal, I believe. 2018, uh, last time they made it, obviously, and uh, they finished in last place in the group stage that time. Overall, their World Cup record, 5-5-8. Five, five, and eight. In this event so far, in the final stage for qualification, they are 0-2-1. They earned a decent 0-0 draw at Panama, a uh, not shame or the nil one loss against Mexico, and then a one one draw versus Jamaica. Uh, the team's current form, well, a while back they won three matches in the Gold Cup and they have no wins since then. 0 4 and 2 in their last six, and they have only managed one goal. The offense has just absolutely evaporated. That said, all-around best player, therefore, as you might imagine, is a defensive player. Looking at their ratings, Ricardo Blanco. He plays right back. He is with one of the country's best clubs, Saprissa, a little long in the soccer, too, 33 years old. And then we have several USA connections I want to mention. They've got uh, Francisco Calvo that plays center back for Chicago. He's made 17 club appearances this year. Used to play for Minnesota United. Has 63 national team caps since 2010. And then for uh, FC Cincinnati, they have a guy named uh, Ronald Matarita, who plays left back and some winger. Uh, 46 NT caps for him since 2015. If he plays and he specifically starts and he is at left back and not winger, mark my words, the USA are absolutely going to go after him. He, they, they're going to know that he's the weak link on that back line, I think. 
Then also Randall Leal, central midfielder, plays for Nashville that are having one heck of a year. Uh, he's got six goals and five assists for them already. He actually played for a pretty good European team a few years ago, uh, Mechelen over in Belgium, one of their top flight squads. Didn't make a ton of appearances, though. And then finally, maybe the most familiar name on this list because they won the MLS title last year, Louis Diaz for Columbus Crew. Be a homecoming for him. And uh, he plays right wing for them. Uh, but he's just had one goal in 17 appearances so far. Good luck to the USA for that one. Costa Rica's really been slipping. I think they're going to have an easier time uh, on that than they even did against Jamaica. And oh, but our fun is not done. It's now time for one of my favorite parts of the show, the three bonus matches. And part of what makes them so awesome is that you, the listener, have had a chance to have a say in what the content's going to be. Here's how that has been working will continue to work. You can find me on Twitter as Soccer Noob USA. Monday or Tuesday of every week, I put up polls with candidate matches on them. It will be clear what the criteria are for each of these, how they got on the polls. You vote, magic content happens. It's a glorious thing. Our first match is a first versus last place matchup from somewhere in the world that we traditionally call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of. The week, 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 week. And this is a Sunday match from a league called the Canadian Soccer League. Please note that this is not the Canadian Premier League, nor is it one of the Division Three leagues that we made reference to earlier, like that PLSQ from Quebec. Uh, the Canadian Soccer League is one that was founded for the second time in its history in 2009, and then it got unsanctioned by the Canadian Soccer Association over a match-fixing scandal in 2014. It is alive once again. Maybe it didn't even die that second time, but it wasn't with the CSA anymore, so it doesn't even really fall into a specific division. Uh, they're now sanctioned by a different outfit called the Soccer Federation of Canada, which has no affiliation with any international body whatsoever, unlike the CSA, which is affiliated with FIFA. In any case, all of the league matches have been played in the same stadium in Toronto this year. They've called the event the Pro Sound Cup. I can only assume, based on the, the both the P and the S being capitalized, that it's probably a corporate uh, you know, sponsor of some kind. Here's who's been in the league. Uh, five teams returned from the 2020 campaign, although two of them merged, so really only had four. And then they invited four local Toronto area uh, amateur teams to also participate. They're only playing a single round robin, but then they are going to have playoffs. The top four teams will all get to play in that. And this is one of the last matches or part of the round of last matches of the regular season. It is number eight last place, Uru, that is E-U-R-U, FA, which is Football Academy, not Football Association. Uru FA versus number one, uh, Vorkuta or Vorkuta. Not sure of the pronunciation. In any place, Uru are in last, and they trail St. Catharines, Hervat by three in the table and six on goal differential. So even with a miracle win in this particular match, they're probably still going to have finished in last place. Meanwhile, uh, Vorkuta, they lead fellow undefeated SC Scarborough, a team that I was a little bit more familiar with, traditional power there, by two points in the table. We'll try to take a look at each, and I say try because uh, – 
Uru FA. Just couldn't find a lot of information on it. If you go to the Canadian Soccer League's website, there's a page where you should be able to link to profiles for the various clubs, but half of them don't have them, and I'm pretty sure the half that don't are probably the uh, amateur teams that they invited. So, Uru, uh, they don't have a profile on the league website. They appear to me to be affiliated with an organization that operates in and maybe even based out of the UK, but I think they also operate in Europe by that same name, Uru, a string of a, just think of it as a string of academies for football. In any case, it is located in uh, the city of Hamilton, which is part of a, it's just Southwest of uh, Toronto proper metro area of about three quarters of a million people uh, traditionally known for steel and other kinds of uh, heavy, heavy manufacturing. They haven't had much of a year, but perhaps that was to be expected given the competition. They went 0-0 and six so far. They have scored four times, but given up 17 goals. The best result they've had, the closest game, was just in their last match. They suffered a 2-1 loss at Serbian White Eagles. But it's worth noting the Serbian White Eagles are not one of the fellow amateur teams. That's actually one of the semi-pro sides. For, so good for them to make it for making a game of it. But then meanwhile, uh, the team that is likely going to take them to task, uh, Vorkuta, uh, that is the name of a Russian town in the northwest Komi Republic in Russia. Uh, because the founders were uh, Russian or were familiar with that area. You can't remember which. But in any case, in Russia, it's a dying mining town. But the name is really cute because one of the two translations I found for it indicates that it means Bear Corner. Now, it's north of the Arctic Circle. Obviously, it's Russia. We're talking about bear country. But there's just something very Winnie the Pooh about that translation to me. I'm, I'm sure something is lost there, and that's not really the vibe that it goes for. But it looked cute to my American eyes. This team plays out of Vaughan, Ontario, which is a town just due north of Toronto proper. It's a city of a little over 300,000. The club was founded all the way back in 28. They joined this league in 2017. They've won uh, two regular season times titles 2017 and 19 and then the two years they didn't they still won the playoff titles 2018 and last year 2020 of course nearly all of the players are ukrainian now i don't know 100 percent for sure if that means that they were all born in the ukraine the ones i looked up were or if some of them are canadian born but have made uh, decisions to at least represent hypothetically internationally for ukraine were they ever to get a call up uh, the team is 5-1-0 on the season, 18 goals for and just one goal against. And that draw was just two matches ago, a home match, interestingly enough, versus number B, SC Scarborough. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. The Triple M, yes, it is our chance to not only rip off a Prince song and sing a version ourselves, and uh, quite well, I might add, but to uh, shine a spotlight on two teams that probably no other podcast in the world is talking about, because these are not two teams at the top of their league, nor are they two teams at the bottom, where at least they might be getting talked about because they could be getting relegated sooner, kicked out of their league. The most meaningless match in the world is two teams right in the middle of their standings, and the match that you have voted on is a Sunday match out of the Elite Divisionen, which is from Denmark, the women's top flight. It is ranked number seven in all of Europe. They get two Champions League berths. If they were just one spot higher in their UEFA coefficients, they would get three, maybe someday. As far as the league play... After a little while, the top six are going to break off into a championship round where they will get rid of all the points they've earned, interestingly, and start all over. Not many leagues do that. 
And then the bottom two teams will either be relegated or play in some sort of relegation slash qualification event with the top two teams probably from the second division. I couldn't quite tell. But, hey, when is the most meaningless match of the world? And right in the middle, it's meaningless because these teams aren't probably going to win or lose big. Let's talk about who they are. Number six, Colding Q versus, it was number five when I scouted it. They're number four now, I noticed. Bronby IF. By the way, they're eight matches into the regular season. Here's how things look in the table. Colding, lead number seven, AGF by three. So it's not that meaningless for them. They're not that far ahead of the relegation zone in a small league like this. Meanwhile, number four, Bronby, they trail number three, and that represents the last Champions League berth slot, THY Thisted Q, T-H-I-S-T-E-D space Q. I don't know what the deal with the Q is in this league. By two points. As far as uh, between these two, Bronby have absolutely owned the series, 14-3-1 in their last 18 matches, and they won earlier this year at home in Bronby, 5-1. to one. Let's talk a little bit about each. Kolding Q. Kolding is a port city, the south-central part of Denmark, uh, about 60,000 people or so. Last year, the team finished in fourth place in both the regular season and in the championship round. This year, really struggling on offense, number seven there. Tied for having the second-best defense in the league. Overall, number six goal differential. They're more or less right where they belong based on that metric. And by the way, as a side note about offense, there is a huge gap, even though it's not in the table in terms of uh, points earned as far as goals scored. The fourth-place team in this league has scored over twice as many as goals as the fifth place team and everything uh, extrapolates as you would expect up and down the table from that. There is a real gap in offensive ability between the top and bottom half of the league. In any case on the scoring leaderboard for this team is Signe Bottrup. She's a midfielder. She's 21 years old. Wonder if she might get to go on to an even bigger European league, perhaps uh, Spain or France someday soon. The team's current form, they are 2-0-1 in their last three. And then Bronby, we've talked about about them before, but usually it's for the exploits of the men's team, as that is one of the top two teams over there right now annually. Uh, Brondbevester is the name of the actual town there in the capital region after which they are named. It's sort of the uh, wealthiest part of the area. So if you like blue-collar teams, this is not the outfit for you. They have uh, made three Champions League appearances in which they've gotten all the way to the semifinals, most recently 2014-15. This last year, they didn't survive the first qualifying round. They have won 12 domestic league titles, most recent one was two years ago. Last year, they finished in second place in both the regular season and in the playoffs. So it'd really be something for them to kind of miss out on the playoffs this year. Statistically, it's looking like they're right where they should be, more or less. Number four offense, tied for fifth best on defense. Third best goal differential might indicate that they could uh, really get into it with THY Thisted for that final spot. We shall see. Number three leading scorer for them is Nana Christensen. She is an attacker, 32 years old. And I think even for the women's game, she's a little bit on the shorter side for an attacker, just five foot six. But I'm kind of on the short side, so I dig that. As far as the team's form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three. But they just that win they got was against THY Thiston. So that was a really big deal and the reason that those two were so close to the table. And they had an 8-8 eight and eight goal differential over those three. And so at last year, Dubites, we have come to the end of our podcast road, the third and final bonus match, where, as always, every week, we do not like to end things on notes of happiness or joy. No, but with scorn. 
wailing and gnashing of teeth over these two sad sack bottom feeders that occupy the last two spots in whatever league they are in. This is the match of Disappointed! Ooh, and the Herculean level of scorn is appropriate. Even though, as we rock America, we're heading one more time to an American League. In fact, revisiting one. The match that you have voted on on the Twitter poll is another NISA match. Number 10, last place, Chicago House AC. Or if she were here, as opposed to doing most of her stuff pre-recorded for this particular episode, because she is on the road with Mommy in Indiana, Chicago. Heyos! It's the way I taught her to say it when she was two, and it is the way she says it to this day. Yeah, question my parenting all you want. Chicago High House, AC versus number nine, San Diego 1904 FC. Hey, it's going to get weirder. I'm just going to tell you, even though we're in the last match. Here's how things look in the table. Chicago leads San Diego by just one and trail Maryland Bobcats by one. Now, in fairness, uh, these two teams have one to two hand matches in hand on all the other clubs. So they may not really be the two worst. But you know what? When it comes to the match of disappointed, quite frankly, we don't accept excuses. You're failures, and we're going to point you out as such. But we're still going to have fun doing it, and we think it's cool that you guys are playing in this relatively new league. Now, these two teams did just play a week ago Saturday, and uh, Chicago won that match nil two on the road, and here they are at it again, and we will talk about Chicago High House first. They play out of the suburb of Bridgeview, which is southwest of the Loop, probably about 15 miles, I want to say, from uh, downtown Chicago, and they play there in the uh, Chicago Fires Old Stadium. This is their very first season in existence, and they are run by Peter Wilt, who actually also runs the Chicago Fire, and he had a, a direct hand in the starting of the League One team, Forward Madison, which is pretty cool. I believe we talked about them last week. Uh, in the spring, in the Independent Cup part of the season, as they called it, they went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. As far as here this fall, not so good. 1-2-5. and five. They've got the worst offense in the league going. They only score on average uh, a goal twice out of every three matches they play. Defense is a little bit better. They're ranked number four there, but only the eighth best goal differential overall. If they climb, it's not probably going to be my much. Team leading score is... Uh, I'm going to pronounce it Wojciech Wojciech. He is a Polish center forward, 29 years old, and I would have bothered to look up his name's pronunciation, but it's the massive disappointment. It's the match of disappointed. You gots to earn it. I'm sorry. You've been very disappointing so far, Polish guy, so get it together. Um, 29 years old, as I mentioned. He's played for a lot of American clubs, though none on the MLS level. As far as the team's current form, they are winless in their last six and have not been able to muster offense of virtually any kind. Meanwhile, San Diego, 1904, they've had a, a heck of an interesting short run. Uh, they play in Chula Vista and uh, I think they play at a high school right now called Lincoln high school, which is weird because they actually played in what I believe is now called the San Diego community credit union stadium, uh, the old Jack Murphy, basically. Uh, they were founded in 2016. They were going to be part of the NASL league. That league collapsed before they could join it. Then they were going to join the USL the following uh, year or the year after that, but they were too slow on the draw. The joining period ended up uh, elapsing on them, so they couldn't join. So they instead joined, joined NISA and started playing with them in 2019. As far as this club name gets a little bit interesting here, there's a couple of theories on why they are San Diego 1904. Uh, now, 
their official stance on this, I believe, is that the SD, the acronym for San Diego, obviously, are the 19th and 4th letters of the alphabet, respectively. But there are a lot of folks, and I think some of them in the know, who think that it really came due to this movie line. Discovered by the Germans in 1904, they named it San Diego, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. And for those of you who might be a little bit too young to know it, that is from uh, the Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy, the classic, one of the all-time great uh, ensemble cast lowbrow comedies in the last 20, 30 years, in my opinion. Just love that one. Yes, they think that the it's a reference to the fact that he believes that the Germans discovered it in 1904. Thank God, quite literally, that they did not also decide to uh, make the team's mascot uh, the whale's vagina, or if they wanted to go like Stanford and be singular, uh, the whale's vagina. We don't normally like to run too blue here on Team New, but it is the scientific term, so decided to go there. I think it's hysterical if that was part of the real reason. Also, additional uh, fun side note, the team was founded by uh, one retired player from Europe, uh, Demba Ba, or Dembe Ba, and then a guy who's still a superstar that plays for Real Madrid, uh, uh, Eden Hazard, he's one of the two co-founders. Now, this team did not play in the Springtime Independent Cup, and uh, probably a good thing, or maybe they could have used the warm-up because they were only 2-1-6 heading into this match on the year. Seventh best offense, number nine defense. They give up over two goals per game. That is just woof, and that is good for the worst goal differential in the league. Uh, the leading scorer is the only guy on the team that's got multiple goals. Edward Benito, he's got two, and he's actually a defender. So you know the team's not in great shape when you've got a box-to-box defender as your leading scorer. This is the first team he's even ever been with, real young guy. As far as the team's form, no surprise here, they are winless in their last six. Now, uh, that's all we've got for this one. So rather than wish the two teams good luck, in our traditional manner, we will send them off with the booing and hissing that the match of disappointed teams have become accustomed to. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo! And that's a wrap on episode 52 of Soccer Noob Rocket America. Thank you so much to the following. My daughter and co-host, Person Noob, who, by the way, wanted me to do Nova Scotian lobster rolls for the food segment. Delicious sounding. Sorry, honey, I went with a cuisine option more local to where the match was being played. We will get to those whenever we cover HFX Wanderers next, I promise. Also, thank you to Dan, our old website's former Interno Inferno, for all of his creative efforts, and to the management for all the wondrous things he does production and editing-wise. And thank you very much to you for listening. We really appreciate it. So until next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.